Cofield and Company. KP another three. Heating it up. Kelsey Plum. I gotta get a boom. Shaka like a like a boom. Can he do it again? Down the hole. He's got a chance. Oh, goes it. And Steph Curry is the winner. He serves. The backhand reply comes over to his forehand. He drives it into the corner. Djokovic has put it in the net. Alcaraz on the floor in disbelief and absolute ecstasy. He is the new Wimbledon champion. Ladies and gentlemen, the weekend. Coalfield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. All right, here we go on a Monday. Cofield, Adam Hill, Damon is here. We're in the Finley Toyota Studios. Busy, busy day on the way. How far are we uh, from Raiders camp and all that jazz starting up here? Uh, rookies will report in twentieth, right? Three days. Yeah. Thursday. Yep. Veterans twenty fifth, and then first practice twenty sixth. There you go. So we'll get you updated here in a couple minutes on. Josh Jacobs, that situation is interesting, along with the other running backs, Tony Pollard and Saquon Barkley. I think Barkley could be a big help in this thing since he is in New York. And, you know, you heard the show before us. Uh, most of the ESPN national shows are based in that area in the Northeast Corridor. So they're going to talk a lot about Barkley, which certainly will have this franchise tag running back thing on the top of mind for lots of people. Uh, Jacobs may not get the same amount of coverage. He should. I mean, he's arguably the best running back in all of football. Had a monster year. A year ago, so that topic's going to unfold throughout this hour and throughout the show. Uh, interesting, Adam sends over his show notes today, as we do every day, and your notes happen to be heavy on soccer, tennis, and golf. I know you're on vacation, which sure. might be the reason, because from my experience, uh, access to sports television in Mexico is awesome. If you stay at the right place, <laughs> you actually get like so many international channels, so you get you know, kind of bombarded what they want to watch in Mexico. You do. Uh, I will say, I did not turn on the TV. Not once. Oh, man. What was this not guy once. doing on vacation? All right. I did go out and watch. Okay. Wow. I did go out and watch a soccer game last night because I was in Mexico, and Mexico had a major soccer game, and that's something I've always wanted to do. Uh, but other than that, in the room, did not turn on the TV. Stream music through it. That was it. Okay. But you were paying attention to some of the highlights we played coming in. Sure. Like Alcaraz winning Wimbledon. Boy, tennis for me is just, it's so weird now. Well, I used to be a really big tennis fan. I've told the story many times. As a, I played a little bit of tennis, you know, as a youth. I wasn't good, but I like tennis. Uh, we used to go up, would take like a bus ride, right? My family wasn't into it, but one of my best friends' family, were, they were big tennis players. My, one of my best friends was, you know, number one guy on our high school team. And uh, the Jersey Shore, you know, has some pretty good tennis players it's not compared to california sure. florida and other places but anyway they were in a tennis so we would take a day ride the day trip up to uh flushing meadows and go to what was the old facility now they've you know built it all up but i was a really big tennis fan but i looked up yesterday at midday uh at a lunch and i was like where is that oh the grass okay wimbledon okay <laughs> sure so, well, this, so the you, problem is tennis is in especially men's tennis i'll use the example it's the packers quarterback situation what does that mean? They they just went from dominant to dominant to dominant, and now you know who's going to win every major, essentially. Like, that's how it's been. It was, you know, Nadal or Djokovic, I guess, for a while, but 
kind of passed the torch there. Right. And now it's Alcaraz who's just going to win every tournament. There's, Why? There doesn't seem to be a new challenger. Those guys have gotten old. He's the star. He's just going to steamroll. The occasional time somebody will beat him. But it just seems like that's what's going to happen. And then I saw some people on Twitter like, oh, no, no, no. Ah, oh, there's a 15-year-old American kid on the like, – okay. We'll see, I guess, in five or six years. Maybe. Well, you would think there would be one. It's not – I don't think. Has tennis died among, amongst the uh, youth of America? No, but – Is it solely a super rich person sport? So it's going to have to come from sure. rich blood stock? I would think so. But, I mean, at, at, if he's 15, if this – I don't even know what the kid's name is. If there's a kid that we're like, hey, I don't know, this 15-year-old. Okay, we'll see when he's ready to actually compete at that level. It's not going to be for a while. I think that is a problem with tennis. I think the problem is access. I think I think both tennis and golf, the access has gone through the roof. Oh, in and, terms of developing and, and, players, yeah, I'm and, talking and, about watching it. And kids here, well, but that leads to, uh, I think we, there's still an audience in the U.S. that likes tennis, but because, you know, we're so into our own athletes, a lot of us, you know, those, there are folks who watch sports and like the international stuff, and tennis still does okay, I guess, in the ratings. But without Americans at the highest level to root for, I think, like networks and media sources here don't really know what to do. You can you can pitch the international guys as much as possible, but yeah. And if there's not true competition, if it's not like a hey, there's five or six guys that go in. I mean, Roger Federer is as dominant an athlete, you know, along with a couple other guys in their era. And I think the casual sports fan here is like, what? Who? Yeah. And he was never like a really exciting guy. No, for sure not. And then you went to. You know, Djokovic, like I said, Djokovic and Nadal, and Djokovic was hated by many and loved by many for the probably the wrong reasons. And then, okay, now you got Alcaraz. Is tennis too slow for us now? Like so many sports, sports that required, you know, two and three and four hours of viewing, a lot of people in the U.S. have just kind of checked out. Um, you know, the real kind of blue blood on the show was Damon, as he was telling us last week, uh, JV golfer. Um, I never made JV golf. I thought it was pretty decent, but... What about you in tennis? And you're a younger guy, so what about you in tennis? Uh, they tried to teach it in gym class, and we went over to the tennis court at the school. I was terrible at it, and I said, this isn't the game for me. <laughs> but they tried to teach it for about two weeks. You know, it was straight, hey, we're going to the tennis courts. So, I mean, they tried. And that was Here, it. Here's, I would say, the, the potential caveat or the maybe the silver lining that they have is it's not the same, but pickleball is massive. It is massive. And I feel like there's going to be people that are playing pickleball. Like, oh, tennis is like the professional pickleball. It's not the same. Tennis is the athletic pickleball. Right. And that, that maybe that the, the participation in that gets them to watch. Sorry. You have to be athletic to play pickleball, but clearly they've shrunk the court. Y yeah, you still do. You still have to have hand-eye. Right, if, right. You, if you can't play tennis, you have very little chance of being decent at pickleball. It helps you that the court is smaller and you don't have to run around all over the place because that's the hard part about tennis is all the shifting and back and forth and the court. It's yeah. a lot of court to cover. And the conditioning. The ball's faster, obviously, yeah. and the conditioning. Yeah. So you don't have to be in the same condition in pickleball that you have to be in tennis. Right. But I think there is, gonna be, there is enough people participating that maybe that That could save all they, racket sports. Maybe. Okay. I'm just looking for a potential yeah. silver lining. You're right. Wimbledon used to be, even when I was growing up, like, wow, it's a major, I, a tennis I, major. Exactly what I was Who thinking about yesterday. I'm like, now? I'm like, oh yeah, breakfast at Wimbledon. I, I haven't really checked in on that in a while, but I used to be married to it. I would, I love the majors. The U.S. Open primetime matches. Oh yeah, when they would come Greatest. on. Oh, and and but there was all these personalities and names that everybody knew, and now it, there's two guys. And we got golf to talk about. Um, I'll. I'll plant it in the minds of listeners if they're going to be here in about 90 minutes. 
can Steph Curry save, uh, save the game of golf? Can Steph Curry save the game of golf? And what I mean is start to spread it again to the masses as, one, a regular guy, even though he's super rich, but we don't think of him as, like, some unbelievable golfer. Two, as someone who is of mixed race. Yeah. Like, I feel like a lot of the momentum Tiger had has waned because Tiger's just not that good anymore. And now we look at it's kind of like this the same-looking guy from the same background, at least U.S. players. Yeah. International players are a little different. I might be way off on that. But that's my impression. So we'll get to Steph Curry and his big win at the Celebrity Championship in Reno. All right. Well, here we go. We've been waiting for months for July 17th. It's here. As Adam said, rookies in three days at Raiders facility. Well, can I, I'm going to stop it yeah. now because I can't say it when we talk about it later. Yeah. I don't like that we're granting Reno Tahoe. Tahoe's Nevada's. It's not Reno's. Okay. Um, it, bothered me. it bothered me not when I saw the stories this week. I feel like isn't oh, it up the, in is, Reno. Isn't it the Reno-Tahoe Airport? Yeah, but Tahoe is, is very different. But by the way, uh, once you get to Reno on a flight, you're not, you're not in Tahoe yet. Trust me. Is there, an, is there an area near Las Vegas that, isn't, that you won't allow to tie itself to Vegas? No. Because like Vegas, you're, you're okay with Henderson? Yeah. Vegas is all-encompassing. You're okay with downtown Henderson tying itself to Vegas? Mm, not really. I figured. <laughs> You're very territorial. Yeah, I don't, I don't like that. Okay. That's not good. But what it's a, not the same as the difference between Reno and Tahoe. No, but I'm, I'm saying, like, Tahoe's an awesome, awesome place. Okay. Reno's obviously not. Reno's fine. It's, it's different. Reno's fine. Sure. Well, I'll say that in I have, hour. It's fine. I have the uh, – during football season, and I, I love covering UNLV football, and I, I love the road trips – because uh, I can make a good road trip out of anywhere, but I actually do have the and the football team does have and the crew does have the glamour trips during football season. Again, not complaining because I've I've carved out like places I like to go to and I can have a good time anywhere. But we hit Reno, Fresno, and Albuquerque. Yeah, when it's good. When, it didn't know it. It actually is good. When Fresno and Albuquerque are the top two choices on that list, that's not a good sign. <laughs> well, I've told you when, when we've done. I've done ranking Mountain West Conference cities in the past. I have Fresno, Reno, and Albuquerque ahead of most of the mountain locations. That's because you're trolling. No, I'm not trolling. I, you know what? I got – so yesterday it was – you know, obviously it was hot as hell. Today's a couple degrees cooler. Um, multiple times at the summer league, whatever, driving over the weekend, I got in the car, and, like, it takes, it takes a good, you know, five or ten minutes for the car to cool down. And I'm like, man, it's hot. But I'll tell you what, walking around – uh, you know, in Logan, Utah, when it's 18 degrees and windy, F that. I will take I 114 and 130 in the car any day of the week. And I see all these other people are like, oh, I'll take 20 degrees over 110. Up yours. No way. Uh, by the way? No way. I'd rather sweat than freeze my bippy off. I got off the plane today. It was a breath of fresh air. Yeah. Compared to 95 and 99% humidity. Humidity, yeah. Yep. <laughs> my goodness. <laughs> it is. It's brutal yeah. to get used to, man. Yeah. We're sure I'm. I'm not going to say we're completely used to 114 because yesterday it was hot. Yeah. But I'm better with that. How could you not? I be? would. I could walk. Think about where the Thomas and Mac parking lots are. I could walk from the Thomas and Mac parking lot, get in the building, have a little bit of a sweat for the NBA Summer League for our shows last week, and it was a decent walk. If that was, if that's Florida, Texas, or as you mentioned, Cancun, I would be drenched by the time I sat down. Yeah. It, it was just yes. Berman swamp ass. Yes. 
which there unfortunately several... Chris Berman has that problem at celebrity golf tournaments. So it's always a good reference because he's a big fella and he sweats a lot on his rear. It was it was hap- it was it was just looking around at people down there. I was like wow. This is wild. I'm blown away that they get used to it. Yeah. But I think I got, when I, I was, I was a kid, so I wasn't a little, you know, sweaty mess. I mean, I'm talking about. I don't look, remember sweating that much when I lived in Florida. I'm t- talking about looking around at people that were there on vacation. Oh, Who would walk from, like, the uh, lobby yeah, to the yeah, pool yeah, and yeah. be ready. They're just clothes drenched like they had already gone in the pool yeah. and look like they are ready to pass out. Like, this is wild. It's crazy. I mean, you take your shirt off and show off the physique. Yeah. They should. No. I can't do it. It's a mess. It's a total mess. But yes, Reno does not deserve Tahoe. That's what I was All right, so Josh Jacobs, this yeah. is – is it a mess or – you know, oftentimes we do salary stuff in the NFL. We, we play along, and I know the end is going to be – you know, there might be a little angst along the way, but it, it ends up with a contract. We did so much on Lamar Jackson. The deal is done. I think it's all good now. Is this going to be something with Josh Jacobs that is just – it's done, it's smooth over, he plays, he has a really good year, and then everyone can make a decision at the end of the year? Or is it going to be a freaking zoo? I think it's going to be more of a zoo. Hmm. Uh, for several, like one, I mean, who knows what guys are feeling or what you know how emotions get involved. But it does seem like there is a lot of poisoning the well with Josh Jacobs and the team to where I I'd like to think that he like, he loves it here and he may maybe he lives here even if he leaves, but. Uh, I think there's a lot of things that he likes about Las Vegas, wants to be here. But I also think that there is a portion of him that says, look, you didn't pick up my option. Then I led the league. In ru- it was basically like, hey, prove it. Yeah. And I went out and proved yeah. it. I did. And I got what? Nothing. Yep. I, I do think there's a part of him that's probably going to look at that. Now, in the end, if the, if the Raiders give him the best deal and it works out best for him and that's where he wants to be, then maybe he signs anyway. But I, I feel like in this situation, talking to Josh – you know, like I did throughout much of last season, like he's very upset about this, and yeah. he should be. Mm-hmm. Like, don't blame. I saw people blaming him. I I saw somebody, and I think we talked about this a couple weeks ago. It made me so mad. I wanted to go tweet about it, but somebody somebody just said, "Hey, man, just go out there and and show him what you can do on the field, and it'll take care of itself." No, it won't. Yeah, he did. That's what he did. Mm-hmm. He was the good soldier after he got treated the way he was treated. Mm-hmm. He went out and did exactly what people said. Hey, just go out and prove it. He did. Nothing. And again, I'm also not against the Raiders in this. The Raiders are doing the right thing in terms of how you should manage a business, I think. You're more against the league, aren't you? Of course. I'm I'm more against how yes, how we haven't figured out a way to say, look, this is not fair to running backs. It's a special it's position. Not. It's a special position that should be treated differently. And I've heard more people talk about the quarterback position. Hey, they should only count like 60% of a quarterback's salary so some of these quarterbacks can get more and they can keep them around and they don't have to take lesser deals to, to build the team. No. Fix the running back position. And, and, and I think they should get paid earlier. I think that's the best way to do it. Like don't tie them up for four years into a team-friendly deal after being drafted. Let them get paid earlier. I think that's the best way to do it. Or just don't count, only count a certain percentage of their salary, whatever. They have to figure something out because when both sides are right and it's this is what's happening, that's not a good system. It's just not. But don't tell Josh Jacobs to go out and prove it. Hey, go out there. Hey, what are they going to If you do what you did again, what are they going to do? They'll keep him around and they'll tag him again. That's what they'll do. So stop. All right, updates on Josh Jacobs coming up in about 20 minutes. Adam Hill was uh, noticing that Josh, what are we now, two and a half hours after the 1P deadline that has been approaching four months, July 17th, franchise tag, 
Can they get a long-term deal in place? No, they do not. Saquon Barkley, no deal with the Giants. And Tony Pollard, no deal with the Cowboys. So that's all coming up. That'll be inside of 20 minutes. We're collecting some reaction from all over the internets. All right, you guys are up. Damon loves baseball. We've dubbed him our resident nerd with his immaculate grid. Adam loves baseball. I like baseball as well, but I announced about two weeks ago. All right, here's the three weeks, right? Everything is cleared out, and the Raiders are coming up, and the NFL is coming up around the 20th to the 26th. Baseball's got three weeks for dedicated content on Cofield and Company. Here's week three. Adam, what do you want to do? Ellie Dela Cruz, what do you got for us today? What's Man. up, buddy? Your baseball report. We got Rougie. We got some Rougie news. 23rd guy on the roster with the Padres. What do we got that's important? Well, I think Ellie Dela Cruz is, is the more fun one because I think he's – if you have not seen him play or what – he there's a there's an old cliche about baseball that if you watch an entire game almost every time you're going to see something you've never seen before and that's silly like there's a lo- like there's a lot of things that are different that you've never seen before that happen but it's not going to be every game i think it's pretty true about Elite de la cruz if you watch him play a game for nine innings you're going to see something you've never seen before in a baseball field he is wild and he is so fun and if you don't love baseball he will make you love baseball but the fact that he just ripped off a 99-mile-per-hour fastball from third base to first base is just it's, – it's mind-boggling. I wonder how long they've been tracking infield throws. Well, Because didn't he yeah. break the record of O'Neill Cruz? Yeah, but the Statcaster era is not very old, obviously. Okay. But, I mean, that is – that's incredibly rare no matter what era, no matter what nah. – <laughs> no matter what – that's, there's that's probably, wild. There's probably uh, tall tales that could be told about – Let's say the '80s, and you know, going back yeah. to whatever, where someone could say, "Hey, this this shortstop, this third yeah. baseman, this second baseman had a freaking hose, and you know, could throw yeah. it over 100 miles an hour on a throw across the diamond." Yeah, I don't believe it. I mean, but there are—I mean, there are guys in history who had unbelievable. Arms. A hell of a drug. Well, <laughs> without the but without the numbers, we don't know. I'm not going to sure. automatically say that you know, Sean Dunstan didn't throw one 100 miles an hour across yeah. the field because he may have. Yeah, possibly, but it, it, I. I think you could put it up against any throw you've ever seen. That's amazing. He's he's wild. Well, it's the, you know, this is kind of the evolution thing, uh, especially about you know shortstop and third base, where especially shortstop, we used to have guys who were like my size but in shape, you know, five nine hitting two oh one, and it was like, oh, they're good, they're yeah. good defensively, and I'm sure they, you know, they had a freaking hose on them and could throw it, but um, they were smaller guys. Now, you're you're getting guys in the game. I mean. Elliot Eller Cruz is what six three six four. O'Neill Cruz is out right now. He's six seven, and he can he can play some shortstop. Yeah, uh, you know, and it started with guys like A Rod and Jeter and even Ripken. They were all six three six four. Yeah. Now it's, you know, this is kind of the it's not the same level, but it's kind of the unicorn stuff when you got a six seven guy playing shortstop, and you're like, oh, Wemby seven five, as the next NBA prospect, or you know, Chet Holmgren seven one. He's going to play small forward. Yeah. Now you got shortstops who are six seven. Yeah, and 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 you got six four third baseman stealing three bases in a row, uh, and just ruining. That was defense. crazy. <laughs> Stole second, crazy. third, and home. Yeah. With within two pitches, it, that's that's wild. He's he's changing the game. He's making it fun. I think he's a guy that a lot of people are going to start latching onto and saying, "Oh, I love baseball now because of what he's doing." So it's, that's fun. It's all for you, baseball. Yes. Your three weeks of coverage yes. on Cofield and Company. Uh, do we want to have a, a, a 20, 25-minute debate on the pizza boxes for the bases and how think, the stolen bases are way up? Yeah, but I don't think, I don't think they're that 
the, you notice the numbers, but I don't think you notice the. I don't when you're watching the game. I don't think you notice that the bases are bigger. Well, you know, the stolen bases make it obvious that the bases right. are making a difference. Well, it makes it fun. It's fun to watch. I'm not against it. Yeah. I actually think it. You know, it goes back to hey, uh, we had all these old folks who were like, oh, what happened? You know, to playing baseball the real way. You but know, you, defense and stealing bases and laying down bunts. All right, well, here you go. You got a lot of stolen bases now. Yeah, but you said there was two stories. I said that was the fun one. Elliot Cruz is the fun one okay. for sure. You sure but this th- next one's not a fun one for you? It is, but I think it's more important. In terms of like what they're trying to do, because I'm not anti-pitch clock. I, I think it has helped quite a bit. Mm-hmm. I I didn't love the idea at first because I do love the interaction between plays. But hey, having gone to four or five games this year, it's more watchable. I I don't love the concept, but it's more watchable, and I think that'll help get more people into it and watching it, and and that's fine. Um, but as much as I I love rules and I hate you know I actually love loopholes because I try to exploit them as much as I can or whatever. I'm dealing with, but I think what happened with Odor could be a problem at some point, especially so if it's it? in a higher leverage situation. Okay. So it's extra innings. I mean, it's regular season. I'm saying if this happened like in the playoffs, I'd hope they'd figure something out. But it's he is up to bat. There is a piece of trash that blows out onto the field. So the shortstop leaves his position to go pick up the trash. Odor steps out and just watches him. He's just kind of like. I would say lollygagging, just like, hey, look, he's going to pick up trash. But as he's doing that, the pitcher steps back on the rubber. There's no timeout called. Odor's still watching the shortstop go get the trash, and the umpire goes, you're not in the box, that's a strike. Like, So no room for nuance. Yeah. The, the umpire probably should see what's going on and just call timeout. Like that's, that, that eliminates what, whatever, quote, loophole you would have. Because yeah. there's not a loophole in terms of, hey, he's not in the box, that's a strike. He's not there yet. He's not ready to go, that's a strike. But if the shortstop isn't anywhere near his position, like why wouldn't the umpire just call timeout if he's going to get trash? That's how you solve it and say there's not a loophole. There's time called. I figure they're going to get this all out of the way during the regular season because there's been so. some ridiculous calls. But if it happens in the postseason, look out. You imagine if it's two strikes in the ninth inning, one run game. <laughs> Batters out. Yeah. You're not ready. <laughs> He was just watching the guy go pick up trash on the field. Why Why would the pitcher step on the rubber anyway? To avoid a violation. Yeah. But the umpire just needs to call. So if you're, a pitcher, if you're a pitcher, if you see anything going on on the field, like it looks like a timeout for something blowing on the field, or I don't if Hey, if someone runs on the field, I'm quick pitching. I'm, I'm throwing 10 pitches. But I think. While, he, while, they're, while security is running, I'm. Well, the issue is the umpire would call get, get timeouts. On the rubber. The umpire Maybe they won't. I don't know. Situation. What if they're not aware of the situation? This yet? is just 100% yeah, right? on the umpire. Throw, 100% throw the on pitch. the umpire. Throw the pitch. If the outfield umpire calls timeout, the home plate umpire doesn't see it, and we're still in play, I'm throwing a pitch. Sure. I mean, I'm sure you would throw it at the pitter that's not even in the box. No, I want a it's strike. still a strike. No, I want a no, strike. it's still a strike. He's not in the box. Oh, that's a good point. That is a free pass <laughs> yes. to just whip it at his feet. Yeah. I, would, I would never go for the ribs or the head. Well, I would, but you not would. in that situation. I know. You'd miss. I mean, I've, also, I've often talked about you know throwing it in the dugout. Oh, yeah. When, when you get into a beef with the other team. And, you know, the kind of the, the angst is there the next day. I just turn sideways and throw it right in the dugout. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure you Sorry. were. My, my cleat got caught. My bad. Stumbled. Stumbled on the rubber. Yeah, that's what you would do. But I, I think the umpires need to be a little bit better at noticing, hey, look, the guy's not ready. Yeah. Calling timeout. Right. He's it, not delaying the game. Yeah. He's just letting the defensive player pick up a piece It would of also trash. be nice if they could conference, but I don't know if Manfred has outlawed that. If the, the umps could come together and be like, okay, here's what happened. I saw this. You saw that. Let's not give him a strike. Well, I think what they're, when they got together, I think what they probably said was, I didn't call timeout, so there's no, there's no room for leeway. I need to call timeout. And once you don't, 
There's nothing in the rule that says you can then retroactively do it. So that's the issue that they ran into. But the umpire has to be better about noticing it and just call timeout in that situation. All right, Cofield and Company back here on a Monday. Devon is here. Adam Hill as well. Adam's been scouring the internets for some reaction on Josh Jacobs. Got a little miffed earlier in the show. You want to explain it again to folks why you're getting annoyed? Because fans, some fans are starting to turn on the player, which I've never understood. Yeah. Um, yeah, just because it, it's comments like, and I, I understand both sides of the argument. I understand why fans are upset that he wouldn't agree to a contract. Um, I understand why Josh Jacobs is upset that the team wouldn't give him a better deal and why they turned down his fifth-year option and all that. And I understand why the team doesn't. I understand all sides of the argument. What I don't understand is fans that say dumb things. Well, first, there was just another one that got me worked up during the break, too. But fans that say dumb things like, hey, if you just go handle your business, it'll take care of itself. No, it won't. We saw that. That's what they told him last year. He led the league in rushing, still didn't get taken care of. So no, it won't take care of itself. Don't say dumb things. And then there was also a comment that said, hey, Raiders could have solved this by just picking up the fifth-year option. He'd be under contract. He would come in. Somebody responded and said, he still wouldn't show up. He's whining, complaining. What are you talking about? First of all, he'd have to because yeah. there's rules in place that you have to or else you're, you're fined and everything else that goes against you. Don't say dumb things. I think fans are better now than they've ever been in terms of having information that um, it's not a greediness on the part of the players. And I know it's a, it's a hard concept to grasp that you're going to root for millionaires over billionaires, but I just, the way I look at it, you just do. Um, I love our bosses here, right? But I generally don't root for bosses. I root for the talent, right? I root for the labor. John, you and John Fermi's in here with uh, Nova Home Loans. We're going to talk a little Nova, and we're joining forces again on uh, what's going on in the real estate market. So we'll get to that in a couple minutes. But, John, you're a Giants fan? You know, it's sadly I'm a Giant and Raider fan. Okay. You know, I'm from Jersey. Wow, so you're dealing with both of these then. Yeah, for, for, it's crazy that uh, that would even happen. I mean, uh, that Saquon and, and Barkley or Saquon and, uh, and Josh Jacobs are both in the same situation. But all things being equal, I mean, I love them both. But I think the Giants need Saquon more than the Raiders need Jacobs. Why is that? Well, we need defense. I mean, if you don't have a defense, it doesn't matter. I mean, do you think if he's playing this year that we're 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 going to make the, Ra- the playoffs? You're saying the Raiders? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think they have no shot of making the playoffs if Jacobs isn't there. Um, can the Raiders move the ball without Jacobs? Yeah. I mean, the tricky thing with the Giants is I don't think Barkley's anywhere near as good, as impactful, and reliable as Jacobs. But I mean, Adam will tell you. Danny Dimes, I think, benefited from a finely healthy Barkley yeah. massively. So Barkley not being there might take down Danny Dimes. Well, how many catches did Barkley have last year yeah. as a running back? Yeah, a ton. I mean, and, very, and, and the idea is just move to somebody else and they'll do the same thing. But I do think, <laughs> okay. I do think what people miss about running back value is that, yes, for the most part, running backs, they are replaceable. Like it's usually about the system and the offensive line where there's a running back. Running backs that catch balls out of the backfield are are a different level because there are a lot of guys that can't do it and aren't can't be a big part of the passing game. So that is where things change, and so um, that is a tough evaluation. Well, um, if, well, if the Raiders spent more money on defense and picked up a Dalvin Cook, would we make the playoffs? I don't know. I mean, Dalvin Cook is pretty pretty talented. Yeah, and the AFC is also a, a different piece. You're, there's going to be good good teams in the AFC that don't make the playoffs. So. That's um, a, and that's tough. another way to look at it. Yeah. Like, 
Raiders need everything to go right to make the playoffs, and and everything could go right. Like everything going right for the Raiders could mean nine wins, maybe ten, and you could go ten and seven and still be left on the outside looking in. Yeah. yeah. So so then as an organization, how do you how do you approach? the running back position when the rest of the league is like, hey, we're not paying for running backs either. I'm not saying there's collusion, but the idea is kind of spreading to every organization. So the Raiders, to me, are in a weird position. And uh, but, I, but I do think, John, that Barkley holding out, like really making a big stink about this, may, has a bigger impact on the whole running back thing overall. Because these are – I mean, I have – I'm looking up at, you know, the screens today, watching on uh, social media, our TV screens in here, and, you know, ESPN coverage. It's almost all about Barkley, which is hilarious because Jacobs is a better running back. But Barkley's impact, if he really digs in, is going to be massive. Yeah, I mean, uh, again, I, I think the Raiders have a lot of holes. So the bottom line is, do they both deserve the money? Of course they do, yeah. including Pollard also. Yeah. I, I mean, say, I'm not a Cowboys <laughs> fan, so I hope they don't do anything with Pollard. Uh, so. I say the, uh, you know, Steve's been saying that Barkley is, Barkley is overshadowing Jacobs a little bit because it's very New York bias in the media, but poor Tony Pollard. Yeah. Nobody's been talking about him being a part of this, too. Honestly, I didn't even, I didn't even know about him until on, on the drive over here <laughs> yeah. that, that I heard you guys talking about yeah. it. Yeah, I mean, he's never really he's never been the full time starting back. He's never really gotten the payday. His case is a little bit interesting. I actually I kind of think he's joining forces with the other two guys, which is very admirable when you're not set up as a bell cow running back yet. He hasn't been that guy yet. And he's you know, he's going to get on the franchise tag. He'd get ten point nine million. But he also I think he also has to look at it like, hey, this is the time to strike. Right. While when, they are on top. when will he ever be more valuable than when the team just made a decision to get rid of their longtime franchise, you know, superstar point. to turn the reins over to him? This is the the most valuable you're ever going to be. Yeah. So try to do it now. Backup running backs on the Giants, Matt Breida. Yeah, I'm not going to name the other guys. That's it. It's Matt Breida. He's the option, and he's he's a decent option as sure. a backup. Yeah, when he's on the field for a little bit, exactly <laughs> when he's yeah. healthy. Yeah. He just never well, stays healthy. I think we're talking about Barkley is the one that can absolutely change the entire – maybe Pollard. Barkley is the one that can change the entire landscape of the running back position later in the year if he takes the ultimate stand, which we can talk about later. John from Nova Homeowns in with us here on a Monday, 577-2600 to call John and the team at Nova Home Loans. So let's delve into what's going on in the market with real estate and stadium building and roads. So first of all, with the A's, we're we're pretty well established on what we think of this deal. We think it's a little bit weird because it's the A's. Um, I might be open more to you know three hundred eighty million dollars and then tax benefits down the road if it were the Rays or even an expansion team. Yeah, I'm not. This is not a dig on you. Let's say you're more of a casual sports fan. How do you look at it? Because you also know about property values and you know how valuable everything is up. All that space is on the strip. Well, I, I think that Tropicana was, it's like 35 acres. I mean, all things being equal, that's probably $6 million an acre there, right? That's $210 million. But that being said, a couple things. I'd rather have the NBA here than baseball. But if we're going to end up with baseball, I'd rather have the A's than a than a, another hotel and casino. Oh, I, really? Yeah. Mm. We don't. Do we need another one? I mean, at this point? Well, I mean, I think there's weighing how many jobs does it actually create? What does it add to the economy? Does a baseball stadium and team, say, with 100 dates, outpace the kind of tax revenue and then job creation that another casino gets? I, I would say yes, just the okay. perception nationwide. I mean, we'd, we would just get that many more visitors here, I, I think. 
But what do you think the Raiders have done to real estate values? Has it helped, or is it just it's so uh, enveloped in everything else that's happened? No, I, I think it's just bringing more people here. I mean, everybody that loves sports, even the casual fans. I mean, if they had their choice, they'd rather live here than I don't know Alabama or somewhere <laughs> like that. Oh, I we mean, definitely have an advantage. Yeah, yeah, we have an advantage on that front, and especially with the athletes, with uh, you know, no state income tax. Luckily, athletes don't have to choose to go to Alabama and Mississippi. It's a good thing. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I mean, the bottom line is I'd rather see the A's here, and I would probably um, – I, I would love to go to baseball games and clients coming in that we could actually get tickets for. It's nice, right? right. Uh, but I, I would rather not see another hotel and casino. So if I had my choice, I'd rather see the A's. So what do we think now, Adam, about where they're going to build this? We have expressed some doubt about – Tropicana being the actual site because they didn't they didn't name it in the, the uh, state bill. No, no. So what are you what are you hearing now? Is there, is there what could stop it from going to the trop spot? Well, is it the airport? Is it the size of the lot? Both. I think the size of the lot more than anything, but airport for sure could still have concerns. I, I think they could figure that out. Um, the size of the lot though, but we we are seeing that there there has to be have been some things raised already because there was that story that leaked out what about a week, ten days ago. I was like, if they need a little bit more space, uh-huh. we could probably figure it out. And if you go look, like, I think the, the stadium in Minnesota, when they did it, where they they bridge, because you need more space than just the footprint of the stadium if you're going to put a retractable roof, because it has to go, it has to, like, stretch out. It has to go, so the roof has to go somewhere. So they could do the fan out of the roof if they wanted to, but they also could build, like, a beam to a different area. So okay. if they built the beam, like, over property that you still could turn over to like say the pool or something of a casino but then you you steal like an acre over in another I mean, corner like there's ways to do it it simply nine acres is not big enough to build a state so then it's overall a the, overall the 36 is not big enough i think the smallest footprint for a retractable roof stadium is milwaukee where they're on like 13 acres yeah yeah it's just so weird with all this other property you know, up and around the strip. Because well, I understand they want it near the strip. Well, do we have 35 acres at, at, at Trop and uh, Well, they only Las give Vegas. them nine. They're only giving them nine. They're only yeah. giving them nine of 36. So, And they, I think it's already been mentioned, like, hey, you know, we could probably push that up a little bit. But, why, like, why are we – honestly, I like Allegiant Stadium. Have you been to Allegiant? Yep. It's like an arena, which is cool, but you can also tell because of the size of the concourses that it was this arena that was popped on a lot that probably wasn't big enough. So – the building goes more straight up. I feel like Allegiant is a nice stadium. I feel like we're going to get a baseball stadium that's the same thing. Yeah. Like it's simply not enough land. Well, it's why if you look at the rendering, the render, I don't even like using the word renderings. It's just it's somebody sketched it on like yeah. a like a etch a sketch. Steve Cofield level Photoshop. Uh, but if you look at it, it takes up like ha- way more than half. Oh a yeah. <laughs> like, what, what are they doing? Yeah, the, the sketches were like twenty three acres. So I mean, if you get fifteen acres, are, are they? Do we need more money? Because right now, what is it? Three hundred eighty uh, million dollars or something? No, because they're technically being given the land for free and then counting that. Po- so the, the A's are being given the land for free. But they're counting that as their contribution to the stadium, which is right. never mentioned by anyone right. anywhere that they're not actually contributing the money. They're just getting it for free. It's silly that that was never brought up. And I don't know why anybody never asked it in the hearings. And I never heard it. Uh, but, yeah, they're, they're going to get that land. But that's all they were given because they're building a casino project on the rest of that land that they need that, they need that acreage. They only get the nine. And, and like I said, okay, maybe we can stretch it to ten by building it out over some other part of the property. But – it's not enough space anyway. If they're going to do it, do it right the first time. Right? Yes. You, you might as well yes. get it right. Yes. Is because so build I, it somewhere else. Yeah, exactly. So the, the options are the Wild Wild West property. If the 
union end of it ever got worked out, which maybe something will happen with the union and stations down the road. Doubtful. I don't know. That's a big change. Doubtful. Uh, Wild Wild West property at Trop and the 15. Uh, the Rio could certainly be an option. They have a lot of extra property there, and they're going to redevelop that property anyway. The Las Vegas Festival Grounds, which is Sahara and LV Boulevard, and then Wet n Wild, which is on LV Boulevard, uh, just south of the Sahara. If you wanted something that's pretty strip adjacent. Oh, oh that, that part. Because I was going to say yeah. there's still another option that I have. Howard Terminal yeah. in Oakland. Back in Oakland, yeah. Do that. But they're, they're done. Is that, done. Man, is, that, done. is that over? No, it's not over. No. The mayor, I mean, officially it's not over, John. The, the, the mayor of Oakland went up to All-Star Weekend and talked to Manfred. And then he just comes out with these, I'll use a weird word, like these sassy responses <sighs> to Oakland wanting in. Like he's just done with it. He's moved on. Yeah. It's a weird deal, man. It's, it's, it, it's very weird. What's go- I, I wish we knew the end game. Yeah. Because it's something is weird. Because the, a- the A's have said repeatedly and repeatedly, they can't build just a stadium. Uh, just building a stadium is out of the question. Right. And then all of a sudden, like, we're just building a stadium. What? Yeah. They wanted this mega, this mega complex, and now it, they've scaled it down so much. Um, I mean, the suspicion is, while John Fisher is worth a lot of money, that he doesn't have cash on hand to be paying out a bunch into the stadium project on the front end, and he would require, uh, in Oakland, they, they'd, ha- they'd need a lot of money up front. They're going to put a lot of money in, but they need some of his money. I think he can engineer here where he doesn't really put up any of his money for years. Yeah. It's going to be close to zero. It's got to be it, right? Yeah. Because it's so strange. Yeah, because between the free land that they're counting as their contribution – to the PSLs, which they're also going to count as their contribution to the stadium, yeah. uh, which technically I guess it is, but it's just not their money. Um, it's going to be pretty close to paid for. So, John, let's talk about stuff that's closer to home for the average person, right? Mm-hmm. So, I have no idea where Adam is with his house, but you know he's got he's got good equity in his house because he bought it at the right time. Um, I've got good equity in my house, and I think there's hundreds of thousands of us who are in Vegas. We're going to stay here. Uh, our houses have appreciated over the years. You, do, you guys did a really good job of getting me a refi about four years ago, three years ago. Luckily, because, yep. my God, the rates are high. So wh- wh- what do we do? Like, I, I'm looking around. I'm like, man, I would, I would love to upgrade. But all of a sudden, now my next level house is five hundred dollars to $750,000. That's not bragging. Like, that is, you know, if I live in an average house, I want to go up a little bit. That's where it is. But then all of a sudden, where I was for a payment on a house like that a couple of years ago, uh, you know, now I, I mean, we could be talking like three or four thousand dollar mortgage for average people. Yeah, well, that's a great question. But I mean, if you look at it this way, right? I, and I don't know what your financial situation is, but we're dealing this with clients right now where that they are selling their property. They have a three percent, three and a quarter interest rate, but they also have fifty, sixty thousand dollars in credit card debt. So now they're taking that equity out and getting a clean slate. So now that six and a half percent interest rate is not killing them so much because in the end their outflow of cash is either the same or less because they paid off all that debt. Right. So it's not a big deal either way when you, when you look at it in, the, in those terms. And there's a lot of people, I mean, just think about it. Just if you guys ever listen to Squawk Box, I mean, our credit card debt from a nationwide standpoint is at the highest level it's been in years, right, if ever. So there's a lot of people that have a lot of debt is because – um, inflation, right? A lot of people didn't have the cash to pay for things. Even just typical, you know, drug subscriptions or uh, or food. They're spending a lot more money, so they had to tap into their credit cards. So we're finding that more and more. But that being said, we kind of need interest rates to get down to five and a half percent 
overall or an average is because once we get there, we'll see a lot more people listing their homes because it's a lot easier to stomach, right? Because if they get a five and a half, we could probably get them uh, to buy down to the high fours. So it's not big, a big deal if you're going from three and a quarter to 4.875, for example, right? They could stomach that. Right. What's the phone number so people can call you? 702-577-2600. Okay. John's with us from Nova Home Loans. He'll continue with us because we want to talk a little bit of the roads and some other uh, value on, you know, we were talking about a stadium project on the east side of the street. We want to talk about uh, the Al and what's going on around Allegiant Stadium just on the west side. So our buddy John is in here from Nova Home Loans on a Monday. We were just talking about uh, property values and the A Stadium project, and we got a lot to hit. Uh, not a whole lot of time. 577-2600 is a number at Nova Home Loans. You remember, uh, go back a couple of years, we were all getting in on the good times with the refis, and a lot of people got, you know, from whatever it was, uh, you know, high five percents and beyond down into the threes. And now the the new challenge is, how do you pass up on what you have now with a good rate, a good payment, but then you also look around, and you're like, I need a bigger house. So give yeah. me the options. We talked about, especially, there's great incentive right now. If you have massive credit card debt, to get the hell you know, rid of the debt and not be paying 24 to 30% on that and roll it into a house. Yeah, if you, if you have debt and you need to upgrade, you just got to figure out the right way to do it. And right. we can handle that because we do it every day, right? You might as well not be paying forty, fifty, sixty thousand dollars $60,000 in credit card debt at interest rates approaching 29%. It doesn't make sense. So it's basically a blended rate. It makes more sense. And we could show you that if you do pay off that debt and now you upgrade, it doesn't matter if you had three and a quarter. So now you're six and a half, but you got rid of all that credit card debt. So that payment that might be higher. Yeah, it's it's tough to stomach, but at least you got what you want. And your outflow of cash each month, each month is still less. It makes sense to do that. I know nothing about your finances, Adam. Are you a credit card guy? Are you under control? Uh, We're outing them live on the air here in sports radio. You can. You can. Uh, I am. I never was. I did uh, 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 because I wanted to. Like I just want to have it for renting cars. Yeah. Like you have to have a credit card in a lot of places. I was yeah. like, I should get a credit card. I'm. I'm good. I'm. I'm definitely under a thousand. I mean, I mean, John. I John's talking about. Yeah, that's yeah, not. That's not yeah. credit yeah, yeah, card yeah, debt. I'm like, yeah. That's, John's that's talking like about. You, what's, what do you think the average is right now for the average person in the U.S.? You it's know, crazy, I think right? they said the other day that it's it's nine thousand yep. per person that has credit card debt. Me personally, I think it's way higher than that because uh, we see it when like when we're doing uh, looking at people's credit. Right? There's a lot of credit card debt out there, um, but you know, like in your case, if you need to upgrade, you need to upgrade. Right? So right. there's two options. You could either sell that house. Right. And take that equity and put it down and hope you get a payment similar to what you have now. Or if you think about it, why not rent that out? You have cash flow, right? Is because now the interest rate uh, interest rates are stopping people. So they're renting. But you could charge them more in rent and still have that cash flow to offset the new mortgage payment. So there's a couple options that you have in there. (laughs) Enticing. Adam's uh, Adam's a slow player like myself. Well, it's, it's, it's we're kind of we're kind of stuck is a bad word, but like we're OK with the current situation. But you do look around. And you're like, uh, any upgrade would be cool. Am I ready? Yeah. Oh, it's same with me, with my car. Right. I mean, I, yeah. I paid off my car like four years ago and I was like, oh, no, I can get a new car. And I said, why? Yeah. Like, I'm so good. But I should have. I th- I feel like. But, but at the same guy's time, Nevada yeah, sports writer of the year for 2022. He doesn't have a new car. Yeah. The hell's going on here? Do it. Well, you know, the average American, I mean, honestly, the percent, the percent of people paying over $1,000 a month for car payments is another factor, I right? That's stopping believe, people from wow. getting approved. I can't yeah. believe this is happening. Uh, last wow. minute here. Uh, what do we all think about uh, the slow redevelopment of the area around Allegiant? I guess 
uh, what Terribles has a supper club slash, uh, you know, kind of restaurant with, I think it's 713 parking spaces. I drove by the other day and, you know, it's, I, I have no idea how done it is. It looked, you know, 60% done. All those people kind of stepped into something pretty good. If they want to get out of their business, they're, I think their places, you know, especially right across from Raider Stadium have really good value if they want to sell. I would definitely sell. I would take advantage when you can, yeah. right? <laughs> you think yeah. it's out of bubble You're right talking now. about uh, Pollard taking advantage yeah. of his situation? Well, it's the same thing there. I'd rather sell the business than cash out. Sometimes you sit on something for too long. And you lose it. Yes. Yeah. 100%. Then it's, yeah, then it's, not, it's not worth it. All right, John, we appreciate it. 577-2600. When people call up, they should be asking what? Uh, just uh, dial 577-2600, and I'll get you in the right, uh, point you in the right direction, and we can help you with anything, whether you're purchasing, refinancing, and paying off that credit card debt.